But then I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, when did ending racism become uh, an opinion? You know what I mean? Like, what? Today we got two special guests for you guys. You know, both of them have a resume that's full of accomplishments. You know, Lakers Pride Award winners. One of them's a reigning team co-MVP. Both of them are four-time academic All-Canadian, soon to be yes, five. Sir. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Quentin Shannon Ashtay. How are you guys doing? Pleasure, today? man. Pleasure. Pleasure bro. Hey, let's do this for real. It's been a long time coming, man. <laughs> long time coming. <laughs> Yeah, but thank you so much for you guys coming on. You know, with all the stuff that we're going to talk about today, I think you guys are the perfect candidates to start this whole podcast off. Season so, two. Yeah, so welcome to the locker room. Hey, man, let's get it. Um, I'm excited to, to just do this, be here with you guys, like, just have some conversations for real, because, like, during this whole, like, pandemic or whatever, like, no one's really talking to each other, you know what I mean? Like, we're all just chilling, like, no one's really having these conversations, so, like, it's good to just have a... A platform where we can do this you know what i mean yeah yeah for sure i'm excited to just kind of keep it light and then get into some you know issues that we need to talk about but yeah man i'm excited bro hey like i said long time coming man long so coming, absolutely nevertheless it's still a podcast and obviously as we're going to talk about important issues we still do want the listeners to get to know you guys and even us because even though we hang out every day there's a lot of things that we don't know about you guys yeah for real so we're going to take this opportunity to get to know you guys so we're going to start all the way in the beginning. So how did you guys start hooping? Um, I'll go first. Well, like, I mean, we kind of had the Shit. same story. But uh, my dad used to hoop. He almost played uh, at York, and then he had me and my brother, so that kind of came short. But uh, he kind of just put a ball in our hands from, like, the age of three, and then we ended up going to this basketball camp or whatever. Just, we just kind of just fell in love with the game, you know what I mean? It's It pretty much goes on from there. And I remember... I think grade four, I moved across Ottawa and we, we were looking on the internet, like competitive teams in that area or whatever. And then we found one, we went to the tryout and then I thank God that we made that team. Cause if I didn't make that team, like I don't even know where I would be today. Like, and that goes all the way from grade four, you know what I mean? So that's, that's pretty much how it went for us. But I think as kids, we didn't solely focus on basketball. Like I think this new generation, you have these like grade four and five kids just you know, in the gym every day, you know, working on their craft. But, like, we were just regular kids. Uh, in the summer, we do, like, a couple camps. But, like, we are just being kids. We are in different camps. You know, we are exposed to a lot of different sports. But, yeah, definitely basketball stuck throughout. So, fast forward to high school. You guys started playing high school basketball. Talk about how fun that was to just play high school and just be a kid. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was mad fun because, like, in the city of Ottawa, my school is kind of just my brother and I. We had a lot of other really good players, but I think – we, we kind of had this reputation because it's like light-skinned twins, like we coming at everybody and stuff. But like, it was just mad fun. Like, I, I thought of that as like a challenge and and like we kind of just started gaining respect from like everybody. And like in Ottawa, we had a, a real close like community of like hoopers, you know what I mean? So like everybody knew everyone and like... Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was fun to play together, uh, accomplish some things in the city, you know, all-star teams and, and whatnot and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it was dope. High school was dope. So senior year comes around. So talk about your recruitment process. Like, who recruited you guys? I'm going to say this. Like, I didn't even get recruited, to be honest. Like, we didn't really get recruited. Like, nobody was really showing love to us. But it was one of those where we kind of had, like, had to, like, make opportunities for ourselves. You know what I mean? Like, we were emailing every single coach in, like, U Sports, 
a bunch of coaches in the States and we're just emailing them, like saying, like introducing ourselves, like here's some film, blah, blah, blah. And then some coaches replied, some coaches didn't. We're like, okay, like it's cool. You know what I mean? And then we, we went on some visits, but no one was really showing love. Everybody was kind of being a little shaky. And yeah, like it was definitely the hard route. I had a couple looks at a couple different schools, but we went on a tournament in North Bay, um, played pretty good. Uh, met Coach Chang, who was the head coach at the time. I just clicked from there, applied to the school the next day. And then he basically just gave us an opportunity. He's like, listen, you're going to have to earn everything. You know, there's no guaranteed spot. But I think going that route has just given us like this chip on our shoulder that is everlasting. You know what I mean? I'm almost thankful that it, it, we went the tough route to where we came in and we're just like, this, this is work and see what comes out of it type thing. Yeah. So where was the point when you guys were like, this is like time to get serious. Like, you know, you guys are like elite levels now, like potential to go pro, you know? When was the point where it was like, all right, this is, let's make this a living. Like, let's make this a goal. Definitely like grade seven, I would say. Just, or when I started playing at Ottawa Phoenix and I saw all the older guys come up ahead of me and I'm like, I just want to be like that. And then from there, just every day in the gym, every day practice, like, taking that serious you know what i mean a lot of kids kind of flip-flop programs around but me and him just stayed loyal and just kept our head down and kept working and and it, and it worked it worked out so you guys get to nip you know first year you guys are there you guys end up red shirting mm -hmm. so talk to me about what that was like for you guys um i think we just made that uh decision based on like um our projection of like actually like going on the floor and like playing that first year yeah and like yeah like we kind of just had to humble ourselves and be like, okay, like maybe this year is like just a year to like learn, you know what I mean? And like, I think that's a hard, hard thing to do for a lot of people because a lot of people come in with like a, an agenda of like, oh, like I gotta, I gotta play first year. I gotta be this guy, you know what I mean? But um, at the end of the day, we just said, you know, like, I'm not going to waste this year. I'm going to take a step back and just like learn the game because like, as you know, it's like. Playing at the university level, like, it takes years to, like, master, just fully, like, actually understand what the hell is going on. You know what I mean? Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was was good for us. But it was definitely hard just to, to watch my team play. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah no, it was, it was humbling for sure, you know. But I feel that we got so much better that year just watching um, and really just kind of taking us outside of the equation of playing and stuff. Obviously, it was tough. Like, I missed playing. It, it felt so weird not to play. Yeah. organized basketball for the whole year you know like with refs that, that was like the main thing but um nah like I, I would do it over again you know what i mean i, I don't uh i'm not um embarrassed that i had to redshirt you know what i mean yeah. yeah and at the same time it's like i learned like not to um like compare my game to like someone else's you know what i mean because yeah. like if you start comparing yourself to other people like you're gonna lose yourself like lose yourself you know what i mean yeah so like it's almost like like everyone the, the thing about basketball is it's beautiful because like everyone has a different game you know what i mean like everyone literally is better at like certain things so like you can't compare yourself to another person because like they're different they're gonna bring something different you know what i mean yeah so like i kind of learned that way like to look at it in that way you know what i mean so yeah yeah so fast forward to your third year second year eligibility you guys have a team full of seniors a lot of hype, you guys think you're doing really well, and the season doesn't go the way it turned out. Following that season, you guys lose your coach, and you guys get a new coach, and then the next year, you guys have a team full of freshmen. Mm. So talk to me about what that transition was like, going from a senior-based team 
with one coach to a new coach and a team full of freshmen. It was crazy. It was crazy. But, I mean, that year was definitely tough. Um, just for a variety of reasons. Like, I don't know why we didn't perform the way we did. It just so happened that it just didn't work out. And then, you know, coach left. Um, but it was almost exciting because it was a new beginning. You know, Coach Corey coming in, uh, a bunch of uh, young guys coming in. You know, me and him were more of a leader now. Um, but I think what we did is just kind of take what we learned and what we liked from all the seniors and like in their different ways and then kind of try to bring it to, you know, with the young guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we, we knew we had a bunch of young guys, so we had to run a tight ship. You know, we, you're hard on you guys. But we knew it had to be done, and I mean, it worked out. We had the second best record in franchise history. I think we outperformed what people had projected of us. Yeah, right. You know what Definitely. I mean. So, um, but yeah, it, it was good. Two different coaching styles. You know, I, I, you know, respect both coaches. Both coaches are responsible for you know elevating my game in different ways. Um, it was just two different coaching styles. I had to adjust. You know, there was things I liked. You know, from Chang, there was things I liked from Coach Corey. You know what I mean? So. It was adjustment period, but um, yeah, it was good. Yeah. Back to the leadership thing. Do you guys think that since you guys were put in the position to be leaders, that it actually helped elevate your game because it helped you, you know, prepare you guys mentally, physically for what the season was to come? Because you guys went from playing maybe like 10, 15, 20 minutes to like 35 minutes a game. So your whole approach had to change mentally and physically. So do you guys think it actually helped your games? Uh, yeah, for sure. Because like, like when you're a captain of a team, like, you can't really mess up, you know what I mean? Because if you do mess up, then everybody's looking at you like, okay, like, captain's messing up, I can mess up too, you know what I mean? So, like, it was like, for us, it was like, okay, like, we can't we can't mess up now, you know what I mean? Like, everybody's kind of watching us, you know? So, um, I, I definitely had to think more of, like, what I was doing on the court and off the court, you know what I mean? Like, I had to be like, okay, like, I can't do some of these things no more because it's a... You know, I can't be looked at it a certain way as a captain. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but like definitely, yeah. Like, if you're if you're put into a position where, you know, you have a lot of responsibility, like it's gonna elevate your game because you're allowed to just do a lot more things. You know what I mean? So you have a lot more freedom. That's what I would say for that. But. Yeah. Did you guys say you guys hold yourself to like each other to that you know accountability level like above everyone else, especially being you know brothers on the same team, yeah, same level. For like, sure, we've been doing that though since. Yeah. Like we've. Been, like, a lot of people would look at it sometimes, like, my brother and I will play with each other, and, like, we're legit yelling at each other sometimes. And that is, like, it is what it is. Like, we, we've obviously, like, tried to, to work on it and not do that as much, but we definitely, like, hold each other to, like, a, a very high um, standard, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I think it's just helped us, like, throughout. We've been used to it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, when we were put in the leadership position we we both knew that we had to be at our best at all times if we wanted the team to go in the direction that had to go mm-hmm. so like as a captain yes you're holding other people accountable but you have to hold yourself accountable the most and that's what people kind of get lost like oh this guy's always yelling at me but it's like no like i'm holding myself accountable more than i'm holding you accountable but it just seems like that uh, yeah what do you think leadership actually like revealed about you guys as people like do you think it actually showed sides of you that you didn't know were there or showed things that you got to work on like what do you think was the busy, biggest thing that leadership showed you guys i think i think definitely you have to you have to be patient like i think sometimes you know you could <laughs> get impatient you know what i mean 
or it's like you have to realize that you can't speak to everyone in in the same way different people need a different type of leadership than other people on the team so you have to be adaptive in your scenarios and the way you speak to people and you know if you really get at a guy circle back you know five minutes later and be like hey this is what i meant and and things like that so it's just almost like communicating with people the right way and realizing that different people respond different ways to communication yeah for me honestly like i was at for real and i (laughs) i didn't even know that could come out of me you know what i mean but sometimes i had to look back on myself and be like damn like you know why were you saying those things but like it's all out of love yeah just i guess i was just learning at the same time you know what i mean because i had never been put in that position before but yeah it was definitely like a learning experience yeah, but, to, but honestly, all the things that you guys did last year was honestly, it was really crucial because for guys, there's a lot of freshmen that didn't know what the hell to expect. Especially if there was like a bunch of us, there's like, what, 10 of us? Yeah, we got some young guys too, right? Yeah, so asking, asking just to two people to say, yo, show like 12 people up the ropes. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. And, they, and they did it well. 100%. They did it pre- very well. So. Being how old were you guys when you guys came to the end of the thing? 18? I was 18, 18, yeah. 18 yeah. I was 19. Being young, it's different. Like, it is a, different. A good leader. Like, I was 17 when I came. And, you know, I was playing with you guys yeah, and, yeah. back in Chang, right? And that's different. It hits you. It's a reality <laughs> spot for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. Different lifestyle. You got you to gotta change you know, every yeah. aspect of life when, when you're taking on that role. Yeah, like, I'm coming in. I'm 19 years old. I'm like, I don't know what to expect. Like, I don't know how strong these guys are. I don't know how fast the game is. I don't know what's like to go... You know, sometimes I have like nine o'clock classes, eight o'clock classes. Like I don't know what to expect. Shit. Yeah. So the first weight weight room day, Jordan, she got murdered, bro. Yeah. Big guys, man. Shout out to the alums. But uh, Tejon, for you, like, how was like um, your whole experience first year, like coming in and and experience that whole thing? I I will say this: so my first year, what I thought it was gonna be, and what ended up being was completely different in all right. aspects, good and bad. So basically, like I'm thinking, you know. I can do some things like, you know, shoot and do this. So I'm thinking, you know, I can at least translate this. I'm thinking to myself, okay, if you can average like 10 points and like eight rebounds, like you can do some things. Didn't really work out that way. You know, <laughs> at the beginning, you know, you play 20 minutes a game. You start a game, you don't play. Then you play five minutes. Like all that stuff was like, I've never dealt with that before. So I'm like, okay, damn, like sometimes I'll play, sometimes I don't play. So what am I going to do? Because that's the thing about high school. When you're in high school and you know you're the guy, you can like yeah. mess up and do whatever, and you know you're, you're still, a star. You know you're, you're still a star, star. bro. Like my last year, like I can do whatever. <laughs> I know I'm still gonna start. Like no one's taking my spot. Now <laughs> I come here, I'm like, okay, you mess up, you might not play, and you might not, you might barely practice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like for those who don't know, like we have three squads. We have starters, bench, and penny squad. If you're on pennies, it's, tough, um, it's not yeah, a good thing. <laughs> so when you when you're on when you go from like starter to bench to pennies. Throughout the whole season, it's tough. You can go from starter to pennies in one practice. (laughs) (laughs) One practice, everybody knows. (laughs) That that's I think that's the and it's good you said that because that's like the one lesson that I learned my first couple years is that you you can't get ups and downs. And I told you this. I told you (laughs) you can't get caught up in the ups and you can't get too low because it just things fluctuate and you can't focus on the future because if you try to predict to dick stuff nothing's gonna work out you just have to show up every day and be like hey what can i do and and, and just focus on today because 
man, the ups get you up, man. You, you're on top of the world. And then that's what basketball does. When you get low, man, you are low. Oh, yeah. So you, you have to kind of stay in a steady state. Um, and it's hard. Like, that's a skill that, you know, you have to continue to develop. So, yeah. Yeah, prepares you for life for real because that shit happens you know every it day. does in life. everybody yeah, every aspect of life right you'll have your highs you'll have your lows obstacles right like you know yeah stuff will pop out of nowhere right so yeah the 100 percent thing that was really bad that was really bad like you know making your first two three thing oh you're a shooter and you know you're making one this guy was checking the stats on who you to give you some context this guy Hit two threes in the game. I go on Instagram after the game. You know, we're chilling. I see Tejan's stories. Two for two from three. Five minutes. Two rebounds. No, no, no. 100%. I'm like, oh, man. I hit him up. I'm like, yo, don't get caught up. <laughs> Next practice, we came back to practice for a contest, man. Mr. 100%. Mr. 100%. Oh, oh Mr. my 100. God. It wasn't a good week of practice either. <laughs> it wasn't a good week. I was not 100% from three in practice. Hey, man, growing pains, man, growing pains. Another thing, too, is the, the physicality of it, right? Like, oh, my you're gosh. Not, you're not ready for that. Like, yeah. I got humbled. Like, I remember, you know, I was, got recruited here, had a bunch of other offers. I'm, like, ranked 107th in Canada at the time. I'm like, shoot, like, you know, I felt nice about myself. I get here, and boom, it's like, you're going for a layup, you get bodied once. It's like, damn, <laughs> I don't know if I can do this for a whole week without, you know. Like, my first game, I got squeezed. I'm like, I'm getting beat up and down the floor. I'm like, damn, I got to run this fast in high school. Never, <laughs> All you guys coach, like, Tayshawn, I'm like, I never dealt with this before. And I'm getting, like, I'm trying to put my hands up. This guy's bodying me. Stuff that I used to do to get offensive rebounds. I can't get an offensive rebound. I'm like, damn. Like, <laughs> I thought, like, I thought I was good. I was like, nah. But at the same time, though, it was actually really good for you guys because you guys were just thrown out there, you know? Yeah. Because, like, for me, like, I had a redshirt year. Like, I was I was legit not ready to go out there. Yeah. I probably could have, like, survived or whatnot. But, like, still, like, you guys were literally just thrown out there. And, like, that's, yeah. like, especially, like, like under the lights because that's a big adjustment, too. The whole, like, it, the, the basketball game shifts from being just, like, you know, lace up play with your guys to it's like it's yeah. an event. Mm-hmm. You wake up, you you know, you have you know film in the morning, shoot around, um, you know, coach is serious, you know, you get to pregame, man walks it in a suit and you're like, damn, it's just basketball, bro. Like <laughs> man's in a suit. Yeah, that was just and then and then <laughs> and, you know eight PM lights are on. So it's like this whole game, it's a, it's a whole day of just pre- preparation for this for this game and you're like, Whoa, this is this is more than basketball, it's an event. I can't just lace up and play anymore. It, I have to lace up and play in front of my family who's watching at home, in front of the crowd who comes, in front of the donors. You know, like, it's, it's a huge adjustment. You know, cameras, it's tough, so. Pressure's on. And that's the yeah. thing, thing about not knowing, too, because when you're in high school, like, there's some AAU trips where we literally get there, you got to lace up and go, no stretch, no, like, two-minute warm-up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we have, we have, what, Encore, there's now, what, pre-game stuff. Like, we have film, we have snack, we take a nap, we come back, we get taped. And I, and I miss that, play. yeah. And I miss that, like, innocence type. I miss the that's innocence of, of basketball when you're younger and you just, you know, lace up and play. You know what I mean? Yeah, you don't have to think too much, right? It's yeah, exactly. Like mental pressure. Right? Yeah. 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 Shout out to Q. He gave me my first buck in the OUA. So, I was pick and roll. So, he gave me my first two buckets. First two buckets. I'm going to find yeah, you. I'm going to find you. I gave Jason the first bucket. Everyone remembers, Everyone remembers their first bucket, so yeah, yeah, that's cool. Video, bro. I'll, I'll never forget QB my first basket. Nice little <laughs> pick and roll play, slipped it, and bow layup. That's that's so we go through the season eight and fourteen. 
But you two mm-hmm. have your best seasons. You know, Shannon, you average 11 points per game. Q, you average a team leading 17 points per game. Just talk about the preparation it took for you guys to gear up for that career high season. Um, honestly, it was like, I don't know. It's like, for me, I think I started the first couple of games, like the first, I think the first game I had like 24 or something like that. And yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> so I basically had my career, like at that point, it was my career high, like the first game of the season. So I was like, damn, okay. Like, this is how it's going to go. You know what I mean? And then I think I got to, especially like second semester, I got to a point where I was like, like it was literally like I just turned into like a a machine almost like I I wasn't even thinking about the game like I was just going out doing what I had to do and like the numbers were just there you know what I mean yeah so it, it was almost like I got into like a state of flow where like I just I didn't even care about like stats or anything like I was just going out there playing and then everything was just happening you know yeah. so that's what happened for me but yeah it's just it's just about kind of confidence just being able to over the years develop your confidence to even if you have like a bad game you can still wake up the next day knowing what you can do and still produce and, and obviously like coach Corey was a big part of that because like he just lets you play so he's like you know go and play like if you mess up who cares you know like i you know me and his role you know it may be different for the freshman right. but like he just told us you know go out and play and then when i just did that i was i could be more creative in my game and just and just do what I trained to do and it, it worked out so I was thankful for that I feel like also because you guys got the opportunity that you guys were finally able to show like okay this is what we can do mm-hmm. because I feel like you guys probably know you guys might play some games a lot of minutes some games not but this was the first year you guys actually played consistent like 30 plus minutes a game it was consistent yeah yeah, yeah. and sometimes you guys were banged up and you got like <laughs> Sam, you got the back Q, you had an ankle and you guys yeah, were still playing yeah. Second half of the season, man, nobody is healthy. But it's like that on every team, so it's that keeps you going, you know. Mm-hmm. But nobody's healthy. And if you're hundred percent healthy, then you're not going hard enough, man. So yeah, it, it's tough, but you just gotta get through it, buckle down. Because I don't know how on earth he was able to play thirty eight minutes a game, ball handling all thirty eight minutes. I'm like, I don't know how this guy's doing. Shout out to uh, hey, athletic I, therapy. Shout out to Matt. Yeah. Shout out to Chris. <laughs> bro, I, I I don't even know how I was doing it, bro. Like I, that's what I said. I just turned into some a robot, bro. I was just out there, just because like I wasn't even thinking about like, oh, I have to get this certain amount of points, or like I'm like, yo, like if I don't do, if I don't score, the team is not gonna score yeah. right now. You know what I mean? So like. That was my mindset. So yeah, it was crazy because there's like one game against Ottawa, only four guys scored. Only out of hey, only four guys, <laughs> only four guys scored. I was like, yo. And think like, like especially the first time against Carlton, this guy kept us in the game. Like we, I think out of thirty six, this guy had like twenty and a half. I'm like, yo, this guy was keeping us in the game, and he's right. Like if he didn't score, no one else is gonna score. I was taking notes out those Carlton runs, huh? For real. So we played our last game February fifteenth. We beat UFT. Mm-hmm. Then a month later, the coronavirus hits, and y'all have to go home. <laughs> what was your reaction when you guys found out that we had to go home due to this coronavirus pandemic? I mean, for me, like, it was like the season. The season was already over, and like, like I was just kind of like, okay, like I get to go home early, you know. So I was like kind of amped at at the start, you know. But um, I didn't realize like how serious it was. Like I don't think anybody realized like how serious everything was you know what i mean like we, we were kind of just home and it was like, kind of like this like exciting new feeling 
it's almost messed yeah, up messed to say, up, but, I can, but like I you're almost saying. excited because you're like, yo, what's happened? What's gonna happen next? You know, like damn, nobody knows. Marsh Madness is shut down. Damn. <laughs> yeah. NBA season shut down. Like everything's just getting shut. You're like, what? You yeah. know. I feel I I don't think anyone could have predicted the severity of this thing. Like it's a beast. Like I always I always joke about it all the time. I'm like, bro, if Corona was a person, they would be in the gym every day. <laughs> you know, crazy work ethic. Like. They just want to be great. Corona wants to be great, and they're they're not going away. And and it's even you know sitting here today, it's yeah. just still around. Um, it's yeah. even more powerful. It, that's what I'm yeah. saying. So I don't think anyone could have predicted it. Um, I I thought we'd be having a season. I, I, you know what I mean? It's there's so much uncertainty. It is what it is, man. How did you guys adapt to it? Like, what was the you guys' first steps in the saying, okay, this is this, this is real now? Like, what's next? Like, what were your next steps and kind of adjusting to this new lifestyle i think just preparing mentally for the future as in you know coming up with scenarios like listen we may not have a season so like how am i going to handle that you know what i mean like i think the hardest thing for me was you, you always hear this saying um you know play every game like it's your last you know mm-hmm. what i mean and i was taking it in i'm like i literally played my last i played my last game in a nipsey uniform and I didn't even know about it. You know, usually yeah. a senior gets to know their last game. You know, th- okay, this could be my last game. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't even know that that was going to be my last game. And I, I already played it. You know what I mean? But at least yeah. we won, though. Yeah. And it was my high score, so. Hey, man. <laughs> I went out on a high note. That was a close game, too. We were losing for a lot of that game. But for some reason, though, that game felt like a movie yeah, it felt me. special. Like, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like, it felt like a movie yeah. when I was on the floor for some reason. Well, that was huge, too, right? Because we were hoping, like, we had a fingers crossed. Well, Flues is one of those games we were in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it was one sure. of those, like, we were waiting on the edge, so. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, but, uh, we we definitely over exceed the expectation. I don't think anyone expected for us to go eight and fourteen with nah. a group of freshmen. Bro, we lost to Waterloo by forty in preseason. Western by fifty. <laughs> <Team not like laughs> think about it. Team that made nationals by fifty, and in our third game beat them by twenty. 20. That's a seventy point turnaround, I bro. That's <laughs> tough. I still think that was our greatest win of the season. Just the way we played from oh, start yeah, to for finish. Sure. I think the hands down. We never played a better game. Before. The way we were grinding at the beginning of that year, though, was crazy. The yeah. ups and downs was ridiculous. Now, nah, like, we were putting in work, like, that ass, like, we, like, I don't even know, like, we were going hard. From August. Yeah, like, we were putting in work, and, like, it just goes to show, like, maybe that work is, it's not going to show up, like, early on, but it's, eventually it's going to be there, you know what I mean? Like, it's going to happen, you know? What was your favorite part of last season? I would just say, like, the locker room. We had so many memories in the locker room. And just, oh, yeah, for sure. And just chopping it up after practice. Like, those are the memories that stick out to you as an athlete. And, and you know, the guys who are around. Um, yeah, that... On the court stuff, of, of course. But, man, you can't reciprocate in, in the locker room energy, for sure. Yeah, like, I've never been around a group of people that actually really love being each other. And, you know, when you're in high school, like, there's always this thing, like, oh, if you lose a game... Oh, it's your fault. It's this and that. And then you go to team. Even when you're losing, people are still close and still want to hang out. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I ever experienced that. I remember these guys saying, yo, this is university. It's not high school no more. Mm-hmm. So that was another adjustment period I had to get used to. And I loved it. Like, there are times we're done at 10. We don't leave the locker until 1130. Mm-hmm. Like, we're just talking. Yeah, we're just out there, man. They have to kick us out of there. But yeah. <laughs> I loved it, though. Like... You must, when you get to like this level, you almost gotta kind of separate the identity of being a basketball player because in high school that's all you you have, right? It's true. When you get up here, you gotta realize you're people when you when you leave the court, right? Yeah. You can't just 
don't hold grudges because something happened in a sport, right? Like, yeah. Life continues, man. Like, yeah. That's the thing. Family up here, for real. I, and I think that's like a perfect kind of segue because I think the coronavirus, everyone had so much time on their hands and the people that were so invested in like athletics and things like that couldn't do that anymore. So then it actually forced us to explore, you know, our other passions and like expand our identities beyond like what is an athlete you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i'm super thankful for that i even started playing the piano like i still play the piano you know what i mean right. um so yeah that was that was dope that was just a dope blessing that came out of corona yeah that, that's probably my next question what do you think is the biggest thing you learned about yourself during the pandemic like i feel like there's a lot of things that you could learn like for me like the biggest thing i learned was how disciplined you got to be and how much you got to self-manage yourself because when everything shut down and you're still an athlete, you saw a workout and all that stuff, it's like, okay, what are you gonna do? You can't just wake up and just like chill, just like think everything's okay and play video games. Like, yeah, for real. Like, I remember someone said this, like, if you don't come out of coronavirus or the pandemic with a new skill, then you wasted your time. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like everyone could do something to improve themselves or learn something new. Exactly. Yeah. For me, it was like, I had so much, I still, to this day, I have so much free time compared to like when I'm in season, you know what I mean? So, like, you 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 find yourself like what the hell should I do right now you know like that was that was what I kind of had to like adjust and like learn to like what to do with my time you know what I mean so I think just like focusing on what's important in your life too is important like crazy because that was the first time where I was able to spend six months with my family in like five years Mm -hmm. so just being able to do that was a blessing um, being home with my family, I realized, you know, how important my family is to me and how important their, their like their roles were in my upbringing and just being around them and, and stuff like that. So that was a blessing for sure. You really get to kind of get to know yourself a little more after this. Yeah. Kind of like you, you don't take it in until you actually get time to yourself. Like you really don't know much about yourself. You, know? you really had some time to your identity. It's like, <laughs> yeah. so like, Jesus, you're really losing like one of your biggest things that you've, you know, I'm working on your whole life, right? So, yeah, yeah, it's facts. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, too, is, like, it also helps you be comfortable by being by yourself. 100%. Like, I feel like when I was younger, like, I couldn't be by myself. I think being in this pandemic actually made me okay being by myself. Because sometimes you just need to be by yourself and have that self-reflection and say, okay, where I, do I got to do this better? Like, what can I do here? Like, that's what I did. Like, honestly, like, being in the pandemic was the first time I actually got to see myself on tape. And I'm not talking about tape, like, but me scoring but me actually doing the bad things like when I was younger like all I wanted to do was see myself you know score 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 and play that thing 60 times mm-hmm. now it was actually the first time where I actually watched some games like full from start to finish like I watched the Ottawa game the first one full I watched the Waterloo game full and I just watched myself and I'm like like what are you doing like you just like what are you doing <laughs> but it helped me though because I don't think if everything was normal I would have done that People that told me, you know, go watch, you might see one, two clips, but actually to sit down for like a couple of hours and actually watch yourself mm-hmm. from start to finish. I, I don't think I would have got that. I think too, is like, everyone realized that everyone was going through the same thing. So it was okay to feel, you know, wake up one day and feel, you know, like, today I feel a little off, you know, like this is such a unique scenario, but everyone was going through that, you know, at the same thing. So I think this you didn't really feel alone even though you were alone you know quarantine whatever the whole world was going through the same thing so there was just like um everyone felt together in a certain way you know what i mean which was kind of cool it definitely revealed things about yourself it definitely revealed a lot of things that's going that happened and then like that's going on and like 
I don't know. Like it's honestly, it really twenty twenty was a year. It was eye opening. Like it really like exposed a lot of things. Crazy. Yeah, it exposed which, a lot. Of things, which is what's getting to our next topic. Like what you've been hearing so far? Make sure to follow us on IG at Lakers Locker Room and subscribe to our YouTube channel while you're at it, where you can find clips of all our episodes and video content associated with the podcast. Part two of the Lakers Locker Room starts now. May 25th, 2020 is a day that will change the world as we see it. As a 46-year-old black man named George Floyd was seen in a horrifying video being murdered by police, Derek Chauvin, a white police officer, is seen in the horrifying video have his knee on Floyd's neck for 8 minutes and 46 seconds, where the last two minutes he was unresponsive. Floyd is seen in the video begging Chauvin to take his knee off his neck, even citing the phrase that has now been made global, I can't breathe. Floyd's death sparked national and worldwide controversy, igniting weeks of protests and riots, and leaving the black community looking for justice that has been long overdue. Alright, so that was obviously a lot to take in. So, Quentin, when you saw that video, what was your reaction? Um, yeah, so like, I think I, the day, whatever it came out, I was on Instagram and I kept scrolling past it for some reason. Like I just looked at the, the image of whatever it was. I'm like, oh, it's just, you know, like I didn't really like really dive into it. Like I, for some reason I kept scrolling past it. And then I, I think I remember I was at like eating dinner and then somebody, or I heard on the news cause the news was playing in the background that like this guy actually died. And that's when I was like, whoa, like this is, you know, this is something heavy. I didn't know like the impact it was going to have like on everybody right away. But like I knew, you know, it was it was going to be heavy. So like, that was I, my reaction. But, yeah, when I saw it, I was horrified. I was like, like if what person's right mind do you think it's okay to put your knee on someone's neck? Especially when there's time I can't breathe and you're still doing it. And the thing that hurts me the most is that if you look at the video, this guy looks like he has a smirk on his, his face. Like he's enjoying doing it, so it's like how how could someone be that evil that they can do that? Yeah, it definitely made me really angry. I was furious. I was, yeah, yeah. Like I wanted to smash my phone. I'm like, like, like who who does that? Yeah, especially being police officer. Like that's what enraged me the most is like when you're there to serve and protect, you should be held to the highest accountability. Like yeah, like, what you do, you're like you're serving and protecting. You're you're serving the law. Like you should be held. Like if if regular people are held here, you got to be held up here like yeah that stuff can't slide when i similar to quinton like i just scrolled past it and it was because i was still kind of mentally recovering from uh ahmed uh, Ahmed arbery yeah yeah yeah. because that video was just crazy too so i'm like i'm just sick of these videos because and i'm like oh it's just another case like there were so many cases and then it wasn't until i think lebron posted it I'm like, oh, this, like, I'll check it out. And I was like, damn, like, but I think what this video did, it it really showed, like, there was no debate to what was happening in this video. Other videos, you see all these comments, people are trying to justify, you know, mm-hmm. s- stupid stuff. But this one, there was really just no debate. Like, it, you literally saw the guy kneeling on a, a man's neck as if he were, an- actually, not even an animal, because that would even be cruel to an animal. Yeah. So it's like, just like, a, like he was an object or some, something yeah, like yeah, that. You know yeah. what I mean? But... Like, really and truly, I think that the, you know, chaos that this, you know, video caused really basically prompted the society to just reevaluate, you know, everything and all these issues. And, and, and it was funny, too, because even minor things were coming up. Like, I remember um, seeing this post about Band-Aid and like Band-Aid initially 
they're made you put it on to and it's supposed to blend in with your skin but only band-aid makes like tan or like white band-aids but i'm like damn so then they're just we're making black band-aids i've been wearing these band-aids this whole time they're supposed to blend into my skin like just little things like that you know what i mean and then obviously you know the bigger issues like police brutality education reform um you know just things that are more systematic were being analyzed and it was cool to see um the riots were just very interesting the protests were, were great and it's funny too because some people were were, were more mad about the riots than the actual murder itself yeah. which doesn't make sense you know what i mean and then you see these big corporations and institutions kind of being called to action um to make these statements and and i think it was cool because in a way it kind of humanized all these institutions and corporations because we we got to remember it's people that run these institutions you know what i mean yeah. so you know companies were coming out with great statements talking about you know i know we're not perfect but here's how we're gonna you know improve in the in the, in the future looking at job hiring processes um you know systematic things they can fix uh, creating anti-racist policies things like that um but then you have this other side where you really really notice the silence in other institutions and other people, the silence was so um, glaring. To, like, you know what I mean? You, you couldn't not notice who's being silent and who's speaking up. And then, you know, talking into the, the next topic, it's we were disappointed because Nipissing University was just, you know, crickets. And then it was almost like they were forced to make a statement and then it was piss poor. So... A whole bunch of stuff was going through me and Quinton's head and we had a whole bunch of conversations and we're like, you know what, how about we just make a video? We were at that point where we're like, we're just going to make a video and hopefully that university can get behind it and, and post it and back it. And and that was our kind of mind frame. Yeah, that. and I mean like, yeah, because we just wanted to put out something that was like associated with our school that like was actually talking about the issue because like I see all these other universities like at least putting out a statement that that's like, it's right obviously the statements are not going to be perfect but like at least they're addressing the issue you know what i mean so for us it was um we wanted something put out there from our school because it's like pride for us like we go to this school like it's almost embarrassing you know mm -hmm. so yeah we we made this video and, and the content in the video wasn't anything crazy like it was it was what needed to be said at the time it wasn't anything foul or anything like it was we, we didn't simple. even include like we only said black lives matter at the end you know just little and, and that's another thing too is that the media almost turned this wonderful movement and they turn it into this political group that has you know malicious intentions and, and all this type of stuff so now all of a sudden black lives matter is this like controversial topic you know what i mean and that's what the media can do that's the power of the media so long story short, they, the school said that we could not post the video because we had to get everyone's approval that we said represented, so men's basketball, that they approved this message and they needed proof that everyone agreed that we could post it. But, but then I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, when did ending racism become uh, an opinion? You know what I mean? Like, what? And like, you know, and then we really thought about it. We're like, okay, like, so for every single like post on our page, we had to get approved. Like you know, we That's had to get approved. It was just when did that ever video. happen? 
And and that was just very interesting to me, you know. And and it, it all comes down to this, right? 90%, around 90%, I don't have, you know, true numbers, but this is just my observation. Mm-hmm. 90% of the black population at Nipissing University is somehow involved in athletics, okay? We, we provide a sense of um, entertainment, school pride, spirit, and community um, that extends to the community in North Bay, right? Yeah, represents So we do all this, you know, blood, sweat, and tears for this community in this, in this school. So when we expected, you know, some energy to be reciprocated and be supported, it just wasn't there. That was what the frustration was coming from um, with us. And just to kind of keep it short, we ended up just having to post it on our men's basketball page and the school didn't kind of repost it or the athletics didn't kind of repost it, which was, it was disappointing. You know what I mean? For a variety of reasons. So, and here, here's the thing too, which like, I, I, I'm just thinking about this right now. I'm trying to think of like, okay, like Nipissing, you know, we have a, a, um, a great uh, indigenous population uh, near us. Um, our school also supports like gay pride and everything like that. That's great. You know what I mean? Right. I'm just wondering if we were to post something supporting them, if we would get the same reaction. And that's just something that we, I, I'm not going to say anything because yeah. we don't know, but it's yeah, something yeah. we've got to think about. You know exactly. what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think too, it's like, we're not here to bash Nipissing University. Like we all love these schools. Like I wear this real. with pride. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's been moments where I've been like, damn, but I think we're just coming out of a point of passion that we love the school so much and we want it to be better. And so if highlighting the issues that they can improve on helps that, then so be it. You know what I mean? And that kind of brings me to my next point is that that statement that came out. Um, that was just a fail. <laughs> that was just a fail. The original one, yeah. You know what I mean? The original one, that was just a fail. And I, and I think they just, they lack the... The, the understanding of the situation and the gravity of the situation and why we needed that support type thing. Yeah. And the way I read it as this, they basically said, although George Floyd got murdered, we're also reminded that it's Indigenous Month and Gay Pride. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was very disingenuous and that's what I said. And it's funny too because you started a trend after that. Once you posted the first comment behind it, everyone started posting their comments. Mm-hmm. I, I had to, and it, it was just because it's just so, I couldn't even sleep that night. I was like, how is this even happening? You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's where our, it's boiling down to this situation. As it doesn't matter what type of education you have, PhD, it doesn't matter how high you are in an institution or the institution itself. You have to get that understanding to be able to empathize and support other people. And obviously it was coming at a point of empathy because we don't have a lot of black people in the faculty at Nipsey University. There's no one that, I presume there's no one that was black that read that statement. So the people that are writing that statement were, were coming out as a point of empathy and they just didn't really get it. You know what I mean? So that was disappointing, but I feel like the second statement was better. Yeah, and was more But we, we kind of had a, yeah, apply we, pressure to bring it out of them. That's what, what I'm saying. Mean? And sometimes that pressure is needed and it's a healthy pressure. And, and it may be uncomfortable, but it's needed. You know what I mean? Um, but I'm just excited because it's an opportunity for a turning point. I'm not mad at Nipissing. You know, I love this school, right. but I know they know that they can do better. And I think we're at the point, we're all at the point. This is why we're doing this. 
We know that if we don't do anything or say anything, nothing's, nothing's gonna, gonna happen. Nothing will be done. Which is, you know, it's disappointing because you you want that energy to come directly from the top and be like, okay, I support this because you guys are supporting me. But I think we're at the point where we're just gonna take it upon ourselves to create that change. And if they accept it, then they accept it, and that's great. But we're just gonna keep pushing forward and forward right. and forward. And now it takes one person, and that's the thing, because a lot of people like. Bro, you really got to see people's characters throughout this whole time. So it only takes one person, which happens to be lucky too, mm-hmm. to put to put some stuff out there, let them know what's going on. Because that's the thing, because when you're quiet, like you really it really shows your character. Sometimes being quiet says more than actual words. Mm-hmm. So in this case, being quiet actually showed where you stand. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not able to actually like say something in terms of it's wrong. And like we need to do better and all this stuff then i don't know what to tell you but and like the thing that i got like the whole message that i got out of like all this and like what what we're doing today is like um if if we really don't do anything like nothing's gonna change and like that that's all around the world too like we can't you know like jason's white here you know what i mean yeah he's he's not really gonna do anything to change this whole you know, racism, systemic racism. I think it's on like black people as a whole to actually go out there and and ask for the change. Cause like, it's not just gonna be given to us, you know? And that's why like, we're making a group like within our school to actually do things. So I think that even for, for other universities, like people have to get together, make an association or like a group to actually get things done. Because if you don't do that, then if you don't apply pressure, like, yeah. And the thing is, nothing's really the thing is too. Done. It actually shouldn't be like that. It but shouldn't. That's but where we're is. at. That's where we're at. That's yeah. the point where we're at. It's unfortunate. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's ridiculous. Culture really just needs to change. Like it, it annoys me a lot because, like, man, why can't people just like you know, grow up, understand, like, yeah, bleed the same blood? It's uh, it really irritates the me. Like, makes no sense, man. I feel um, you. And and I and I feel that. The only way to progress is to have conversations. I don't agree with cancel culture because once you have cancel culture, you're just eliminating the conversation. I don't mind talking with someone who I disagree with, but let's just actually have a conversation so I can understand your point of view. That's where we need to come together and and do, right? So even when I talk to the heads of the institution stuff, it's great conversation. Mm -hmm. They may see um, other points or have points that they feel that they agree on and and I can kind of emphasize, empathize and, and understand where they're coming from. And I can let them know where, where I'm coming from, you know, as a student, as someone, you know. So these conversations are, are necessary. Yeah. So we've obviously talked about this off mic, but I really want you guys input again. What are some of the things that you guys actually want to see done with either within the school or within the North Bay community? Well, it's just like more things to bring out awareness at this point. So like just... Specifically, like we're we're focusing on Black History Month this year, right? Because historically, like we really we really took non-existent. Like we looked back, there has never been anything done for Black History Month at Nipissing University, which is like you know we partly kind of crazy. We partly like, feel the blame, but we're so busy as student athletes, the year almost like flies by. So you don't even take it. Yeah, in. really but don't February even take it. February is a busy month. And, you know, if you don't really think about it, it just flies by. So 
But then again, if we don't do anything, we will never have a Black History Month. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what our main focus is on, bringing awareness and then kind of using the momentum of Black History Month to talk about other issues. Right. You know what I mean? Um, we also want to see more um, a more strict anti-racism policy right. um, within the, the framework of the school, um, incorporating it into residence orientation. You know, they, when you go into residence, they often talk about, you know, um, sexual consent, um, all these types of things, which are great. But then how about we incorporate other stuff? Because these are issues that happen all the time in residence and, and throughout the school. Like, we're, we're not going to lie. Everyone who goes to Nipissing as a black man or woman will face a, some like situation of racism during the time that they're there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we're just trying to limit that. And when it happens, have a framework to where people can talk about it, people can discuss about it. Yeah. That's kind of what we want to see. And just an overall support from the school. That's what we want. We just want support from the school. That's it. Yeah. And so since it's your last year, why is it so important for you guys to get this done now? Especially since it's your last year and you guys will be leaving in June and you guys won't be able to experience the changes. But why is it so important for you guys to do change now? Um, I think it's just important because like for everybody um, coming before, or anybody coming after us, like I don't want them to experience the same things that like I experienced. So just having all these policies and everything in place, I know it's going to be a better place than where I came from. And that's what you try to do in life. You try to leave places better than where, where you found them. So that's where that's my standpoint on it. Yeah, a bit like I agree with him 100 percent with just that principle of just lead, leaving something, leaving a footprint, you know, I can look back and say I made an impact in, in the right direction, you know, leaving it in the hands of people like you to carry on the tradition. It's all about tradition and it's all about just making a positive impact in, in where you are. I, I, I'm thinking about that next kid that comes up and I want him to have a better experience at this school than I did. Not saying that the experience that I had was any wor- like bad, right. but I just want the experience to be better. And if doing something and spend, because realize this, we don't have to do any of this. We could just say, you know what? This is a crazy enough year. Let me just focus on me. Online school is crazy and just, you know, put my head in the books and that's it. But we're taking time out of our days. We're taking time out of our thought process to really try to tackle these issues. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, and we've been on meetings on meetings, like meetings on meetings. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, a lot of meetings. So I'm excited for kind of the things we have coming um just like a preview during black history month we're trying to get this shirt campaign to get a bunch of shirts to all the athletes that are you know symbolic and and then extend that to six club members donors um and anyone in the community who wants to have that so we're important um we're excited about that and um we're looking forward to getting that rolling yeah so what's the one message like we, we said a lot today, but like mm-hmm. if you could pinpoint to like one message that you want people to take away from this conversation, what would that be? For me, it would just say that like change is with, within yourself. And if you want change to happen, you got you to gotta do something and don't just wait for it to happen. Because when you wait for change to happen, nothing will. Yeah, that's he, he literally took the, the words out of my mouth. It's like, it, it might be annoying to to feel that you have to put this like unnecessary effort into making this change happen, which it should already be happening. But like you have to get up and like apply pressure because nothing will happen if you don't do anything. And then just to take it day by day and 
and win the small battles. It's all about small battles. We're, we're not expecting um, to end racism overnight. Right. But it's just we want to create a better society, a better experience for the students at Nipissi University and, and, and tighten that relationship between the black community and Nipissi uh, in general. Yeah, I think the most simplest thing is, and you could put it, is like change is uncomfortable, but it's necessary. And in this case, sure. it's, it's really necessary for changes. Because sometimes we all know in life, change is really uncomfortable. And sometimes you don't think it's necessary, but something like this, it's really necessary to change because the way we're living right now is not right. The way people perceive other people and act and treat people in this, like, um, it's just not right. It's not normal. It's not normal. Yeah. It shouldn't be like this. So. And, and, okay, listen, I'm going to end on a quote, too, that I, I put this in the group chat. And it just, you know, it revolves around Corona, just this whole situation. You know, it, it was things work out best for those who make the best of how things work out. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to go get it and we're trying to make the best out of how things played out. And yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Anyways, thank you guys so much for sharing your reviews and sharing opinions. It's really appreciative. But before we let you go, you know, you guys are fifth years. You guys graduate in June. You guys will be 23 on July 1st. What's next for you guys after NIP? Um, for, well, for my plan for me is um, uh, I applied to medical school. Um, next year so I'm just waiting on on everything like that but yeah that's my main goal um, and and many people might be like oh you're not trying to play pro or like yeah like cool like pro is cool like just for me like I just have a goal of being a doctor so that's that's what I want to do for for my life but same thing with me I'm still I'm in the process of um, the application to medical school as well um, I think we both just found a passion for medicine um, within the craziness of being a student athlete um, and I'm looking forward to exploring that option. And you, you could even see me in a different jersey. You never know. You know what I'm saying? So, hey, yeah. I'm not putting any um, stuff out there. I'm just kind of taking it day by day. Yeah. Well, listen, we wish you guys nothing but the best. And honestly, from this is me being real, like, I really appreciate our friendship. I know we couldn't play for two years, but at least I got to play with you guys for one. Sir. So, honestly, when you guys leave, Man, I'm going to miss you guys so much. Hey, man. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. It was but a pleasure. Nonetheless, I'm proud of you guys. You guys are the representation of Black Equus. Keep doing what you're doing. And you're going to inspire a lot of people. Yes, sir. So just keep doing it. On and off the court, for real. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right, that's a wrap. Episode one. I want to thank our guests, Quentin and Shen Ashton, for joining us today. You can catch clips of this interview on YouTube and listen to the full interview on all podcast streaming platforms.